It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we are going to grade the Jets draft. We're also going to give you our favorite and least favorite picks from the 2020 draft as we close the book on this April proceeding and get ready for the next chapter here in the Jets 2020 offseason, which, of course, is going to be mini camp if it actually happens or training camp. We have no idea exactly, but it'll be some form of people in pads doing something. I kind of getting that vision in my head now of these dudes practicing on Zoom where Frank Pollock is yelling at an offensive lineman to extend his arm, but there's really nobody there, so he has to just use a tackle dummy while Frank Pollock watches. I don't know exactly how this is going to work, but Certainly crazier things have happened That entire draft was pulled off without a hitch All of it on Zoom So if they could do that, who knows Maybe tackle dummies and offensive linemen With Frank Pollock yelling at them Is a real possibility I am of course joined by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter The whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com And above all of that, a very big deal Mr. Chris Nimbley And because we are still talking draft I've got our friend from Coast to Coast Scouting Mr. Clayton Smarslock So guys, let's grade this draft to start with and we'll begin at round number one with pick number 11, Makai Becton. I know we all like this pick, but how much did we like it? I think that at that spot, the only two picks you could have made that would have made any sense were Tristan Wirfs or Makai Becton. I understand that a lot of people preferred Wirfs. I went back and forth on this just because I think that Wirfs' floor is a little bit higher, and he is a terrific athlete, so his ceiling is very high, too. I think both guys are excellent, and the Jets would have been lucky to have either one. But at the end of the day, I love Becton, regardless of whether or not you decided that Wirfs or Becton are better. And they have a guy that now has the potential to be the franchise left tackle for the next 10 to 15 years, something that they haven't had since the Brickishaw Ferguson. And in reality, while he's got a long way to go to prove that he can be better than DeBrickishaw Ferguson, I think we can all agree that his ceiling is certainly higher than DeBrickishaw Ferguson. So I'm giving the Jets an A-plus on this one. Chris, what do you think? I'm going to go with an A here. Uh, I, I, an A-plus is, uh, you know, that's, that's a, uh, it's a little bit too much for my blood. And the reason why I'm going to go with an A here is, is because of uh, the fact that I think worse would have been a little bit of safer but that uh, Joe Douglas decided to take the swing on somebody with such uh, crazy potential. The fact that he could look at those two that are available and, and say, all right, uh, you know, maybe, uh, and I don't know, maybe he doesn't like Werfs at all, but he, he took a look at that and he, he sees everything there is with Beckton. And we talked about this the other night that with his, 
his length and his size and his speed, he can make up for a lot of what he lacks uh, technique-wise. But him being willing to say, you know what, we're just, I'm going to go after this crazy high ceiling guy and try to get him, uh, that's a good sign to me that he wouldn't pass that up. Obviously, with those two available, he really had no other choice but to go offensive line and uh, and also just to be Joe Douglas. That That is what Joe Douglas believes is the offensive line, and that's what we've been telling fans since he got hired, that that's what he will do. We know he will put a heavy emphasis on that where McCagnan did not, but I, I won't go to pretty much a, an A-plus on any first-round grade, but he gets an A for me with Mekhi Becton. Another reason I'm giving him an A-plus, Chris, is because from what the reports indicated, and we talked about that Mike Silver report at NFL.com, it appears that Douglas had Wills and Becton as his top two guys, so he got the guy that he really believes in as opposed to Werfs. I can't really deduct any points from that, even if you can make the case that Werfs was better, and I know that that's a case that Clayton would certainly make, but Clayton, I know you like the pick too. I'm guessing that you're closer to Chris than you are to me, right? You're probably not giving this an A+. plus. No, I'm not going to give it an A+, plus, but I, I agree full-heartedly with, uh, with what Chris said. I give it an A still. It's still a great pick. Uh, he was still in my top 18 players, and his upside is just too – it's too high to ignore. So I, I, I don't even know technically on my board, the value isn't, doesn't match up, but I think what, with what the jets needed and where his potential could get to, I think it's a great pick, a great match. And as we'll, we'll get into a little later, but it looks like this is the kind of player that uh, Joe Douglas is looking for on that line because he kind of got not identical, but a pretty similar player. Uh, size and stature and stuff later on in the draft so yeah it's not an a plus but it's still a great pick and i would i i guess i would change it because i do like tristan works a little better but hindsight i I still love the pick no matter what i give it an a so you have two a's and an a plus there for the number 11 overall pick should have been all a pluses otherwise he's got to get out of here thank you representative of jets twitter At number 59, the Jets' second-round pick, which, by the way, was originally number 48, but Joe Douglas traded down, picked up an extra third-rounder, and wound up with Denzel Mims, a wide receiver from Baylor. Chris, you and I talked about this. I thought that Denzel Mims was a top-six wide receiver in this draft. I thought he should have gone in the first round, probably somewhere in that 20-30 to range. This, to me, feels so much like DK Metcalf from last year, where teams talk themselves out of a really talented player. Instead of focusing on what this kid can do, they tried to focus on what they're not sure he can do. And that, to me, is a huge mistake because Denzel Mims has size. He's got great body control, great ball location skills, terrific speed. He's somebody that I think can be an outstanding wide receiver in the NFL, and I think he can make an impact day one, probably start as well. Here is somebody who you heard a lot about being a system player. They're not sure that he can run these routes, and we heard a lot of the same stuff with Metcalf. Oh, can he run this route? Can he run that route? It really doesn't matter. There are a lot of really good receivers that don't run a lot of fancy routes. When you can do what Denzel Mims can do, you don't have to run 800 different routes. All due respect to Van Jefferson, who I like a lot, 
But if Van Jefferson wasn't a great route runner, I don't know that he has the physical skills to be any kind of real impact receiver at the next level. I don't think that Denzel Mims needs to have that kind of route tree, although I'm sure that they're going to work with him and add to the route tree as time goes by. I think that Michael Nania actually had a really interesting comparison for Denzel Mims. He said a faster Braylon Edwards. I could kind of see that. There are some other wide receivers, and I don't want to blow the lid off of this, but Joe Blewett was texting me the other night watching the film, and he had some really, really interesting comparisons that I think Jets fans are going to love, but I'm going to save that for when Joe comes on the show to do a full film review. So I think this was a fantastic pick because not only did Joe Douglas get a guy that I thought should have been picked in the first round, but he traded down, got an extra pick, and still got that guy. I have to give this an A+. So I love the first two picks. A-pluses for both. Yeah, you know, I love this pick. I, I love Denzel Mims. I loved him coming into this draft, and he was right at the top of the list of guys. Uh, that I was rattling off names. And then obviously you saw T. Higgins and Michael Pittman go one and two in that second round, and I wasn't sure he was going to get there. And I was ready when he hit send on that trade, when Joe Douglas hit send on that trade, I was ready to give this a big old F. Uh, if, if he <laughs> went and traded that away and then wasn't able to get Mims, I was really worried about uh, who he was going to have to go for because – Again, we talked about this before the draft. I, I was a big Van Jefferson fan, but I do think there's a difference uh, between uh, ceilings and what they can do, and I like Mims a lot more. Um, so when he, he was able to trade down, collect an extra pick, and then that sprung him to be able to collect even more uh, cap, draft capital down the line and then still get Denzel Mims, uh, I mean, I don't know if my grading on a curve here, whatever I have to do, I have to give it an A plus because he got the guy that I thought he should have got and he was willing to risk the F. He he was willing to risk that F for me. But and uh but he came through, Denzel Mims was still on the board and he got the A plus for me. Uh so this is one of those things and just I'm gonna be doing a, a trying to big draft uh grade article and I'm going to take it from so much of just grading each individual player. But the, to me, the best way to go about the draft is evaluating the process of what you did. And for him to be able to trade down there and still get Mems, that's an A-plus move in my opinion. The fascinating part of what you just said is that Van Jefferson, who you thought was on the next tier, actually went ahead of Denzel Mims, which makes me wonder if perhaps the Jets were considering Van Jefferson when they made the trade down. Maybe that's what they thought they were going to do, figuring, well, Van will probably go at the top of the third. We'll grab him here at the end of the second. Instead, he went and Mims ended up on the board instead. No way of knowing that. It's just the theory. The other thing for me is, I would have been fine with Christian Fulton if Mims had come off the board because I think Fulton has a chance to be a number one corner, but I am really glad that they got Mims. If they had gotten either one of those two, who I think are both first-round talents after trading down from 48 to 59, I still would have given this an A+. Clayton, what do you think? I know that you like Mims. I know that you also like Fulton quite a bit too, so I'm sure you'd have been happy with him. You have to give this a high mark, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. This, this is an A+. Plus. You know, the trade down, getting two, getting an extra third-round pick, turning that into two fourth-round picks, picks and a sixth. And it's just an A-plus move all around. Uh, Denzel Mims, he was my number six receiver, just like he was for you, Scott. 
Uh, I actually have him at 32, uh, no, sorry, 34 on my board. So the value here, getting him at 59 is absolutely huge. Mm -hmm. Um, They they possibly get their number one receiver, which Darnold absolutely needs after losing Robbie Anderson. You have that. He's not only just a deep threat, but he can, he's, he's just a big target. He can win in the intermediate part, uh, part of the field, which Robbie Anderson really wasn't able to do all that much. So I think if Mims is the player that I, you, and most of us expect him to be, I think that the receiving core might already be upgraded. Um, I, it's not like saying much, but it might be an upgrade already. I like Mims that much. Uh, I can't wait to see him play with Donald and see them grow because uh, this was just a much this was a much needed pick, and I think this was just a great selection. And like you mentioned, like how he's not like the greatest. The, the big part with him was like he wasn't the greatest route runner or didn't have a like a big uh, route tree. But like remember, Van Jefferson is also known as the best more, one of the best route runners. And his dad is Sean Jefferson, who probably taught him most of that. Mm-hmm. And Sean yeah. Jefferson is our wide receivers coach. Mm-hmm. So I'm not worried about it. <laughs> that is a great point, Clayton. I hadn't even thought of that, but that is a terrific point. He's got one of the best route runner teachers in the game in Sean Jefferson, who obviously taught Van everything that he knows and then some. And then we get to the third round pick at number 68. I actually really like this pick. A lot of people didn't just because of the position. But Ashton Davis, the safety from California, is a terrific player and elite athlete. I think he's somebody that could be a high-level starter for a significant period of time. I know he's a little bit older, 23, and I know that the Jets don't have to have a safety right now and it's not a premium spot, but to me it's about value. This is a guy that I think could have gone in the top 40 to 50 picks, and for him to be there at 68, you had to jump on it think he comes in here and he'll be a jack of all trades to start play a little corner in the slot little safety little linebacker he's going to do some three safety sets but ultimately I think he becomes the Marcus May replacement in 2021 and it's always better to be a year too early than a year too late so I really like this pick a lot and I think Davis is going to make an impact right away I give it an A minus which I admit is probably higher than most people would but I like Davis a lot and I think he's going to be very impactful in that defense for Greg Williams, not only in 2020, but especially in 2021 and beyond. Chris, what did you think of this one? Yeah, I'm going to give this a, a B plus. Uh, I can't give it an A because, as you mentioned, why other people didn't like it. I would have gone offense there. Um, still, I know. And then I'm also factoring that they only left the draft with the one receiver. Um, and I would have appreciated more there. I thought he should have tried to get two of them from this class. Uh, so I'm going to hold that against this pick a little bit, and I'll do the same with the next pick. But I, I would have given this a, a B grade initially. I have watched some more of him since then, so I am bumping it up to a B plus because I really like, uh, I really like this kid. I like everything that you said, too, about this uh, – you know, I, I'm, I'm a big uh, fan of Marcus May, the person and the player. But you got to look at the situation here, and this was a pro- proactive move by Joe Douglas. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not expecting him to be starting over Marcus May from day one or anything, but like you said, they can use him in multiple roles, and they can prime him to start, uh, you know, the 2021 season and get ready for that. And I just think with his range and his speed back there, the way he delivers hits back there, to have him as your center fielder covering uh, the back, and I think that's just a perfect pairing with somebody like Jamal. Um, and then 
you could, uh, you know, employ more a three safety set there where you have another safety and then let Jamal, you know, blitz off the edge a lot more through those delayed blitzes through the middle. I think this is another one of those things that gives Greg Williams a huge, you know, it's like giving him an extra queen on a chessboard to work with right now. And that'll open up things for Jamal and they can do a lot of good things. So I like the proactiveness of it. I like the getting ahead of everything that, you know, a year ahead. And I just like the fit here. I, I like what I've seen since I started doing it. And he looks like he's going to be a really good fit in this defense and this uh, with Jamal Adams, in my opinion. Clayton, there were a couple of players that went off the board right after Davis that you could certainly make a strong case for. Damian Lewis, the guard from LSU, who went one pick later, a really good guard. I think he could have potentially been a day one starter. Josh Jones, the tackle from Houston, who fell all the way to 72. I was stunned. You could have taken him, and then you had Jones and Becton as your bookend tackles potentially for the next decade. Certainly would have been an attractive option there. I know a lot of people would have said, how could you go tackle twice in the first three rounds, well, listen, when two tackles like that are available, you pounce a lot of the times. I wouldn't have faulted Joe Douglas for that at all. Or even Matt Hennessy, who went one pick before the Jets' next pick at number 79, could have grabbed him, and he could have been a center for you. You move McGovern to guard or even perhaps use Hennessy at guard. I'm not so sure that Hennessy projects well at guard, but either way, you would have a center, and we know that McGovern is a good guard too. He's flexible that way because he was guard when he first came to the league and only switched to center <coughs> after Matt Paradis got hurt and they had to force him in there. Turned out to be a really good decision, ultimately, because he became a good center, but he's also a very good guard. So you could have gone in any of those directions, but I do think that the Ashton Davis pick was really good. Are you as high on it as Chris and I are? So I actually, I was very close to agreeing with Chris yet again. Uh, I had it originally as a B, almost moved it up to B plus, And I actually wrote down B plus like halfway through like everything. And then I'm like, no, it's, it's got to stay B. Because then you went through those names that we passed on. And I think those guys could have could have been, I guess, slightly better picks. Like I'm looking at Matt Hennessy, Lloyd Cushenberry, Brian Edwards, uh, Damian Lewis, Josh Jones. I think Zach Bond could have been a good pick here. Mm -hmm. uh, there's there's a lot of names that I thought both were val good value and fit needs. So that's the only reason why I'm sticking with a B and not a B plus. But I I don't hate I don't hate the pick. I mean, like B obviously shows that. Ashton Davis does provide a lot for the defense. Um, I, I I understand I'm I'm actually slightly lower on him than most, if I'm not all people. I actually have him uh, 70, 72nd on my big board uh, as a like an early to mid third round pick. So the I mean, the value fits, and that's why I actually still like the pick. My value fits it, and me understanding that I'm lower than the majority, which means that this value is probably not just good it's probably very good in the eyes of the nfl and draft media so i like to pick i think this is going to be our long-term center fielder if you will he uh he provides something <clears throat> on the back end of the defense he can play corner uh he, he he's not a stranger to playing in the box every so often which that won't be his game at the next level as much as it was a cow but i think he provides a lot for this defense and considering that marcus may is a free agent after the year he could very well be the, the running mate with Jamal Adams in the future. With their second pick in the third round, number 79, 
The Jets end up getting Jabari Zaniga, the edge rusher from Florida. I wasn't crazy about this pick. He's had injury issues, been very inconsistent. There were some whispers about some stuff off the field, some character issues, perhaps some questions about his maturity. This was coming from Connor Rogers and Matt Miller over the Bleacher Report. I just feel like this is a guy that's a really good athlete, and I understand the swing, but I need a little bit more in this spot. I just think there were other players, and some of them you already mentioned, Clay. Lynn Bowden went with the next pick. Brian Edwards is somebody the Jets could have used. If you were going to go edge, you could have gone Terrell Lewis. I know he has injury issues, but that's a guy that if he's healthy, I think he's an absolute stud. Lloyd Cushenberry is somebody that could have gone in right away and been a starter. Perhaps Cam Dantzler or even Devin DuVernay with his speed could have been a really nice fit here. He's a smaller guy, so if you plug him in with Denzel Mim, that would have been an interesting combination So I just don't really like this I get where they're going They needed an edge And I know that he's athletic But I just feel like they could have done better I get why they went this way Because he's got elite athleticism And so they're trying to bank on that But I just feel like there were better players on the board And I actually like Bradley and Nye better than Zaniga anyway And Nye went later on I think he went at the back of the fifth round To the Cowboys So I understand that teams a lot of times value athleticism over production. And I certainly fall into that camp from time to time. But I felt like a Nye could have been potentially a day one starter with Zaniga, with the injuries, with the off the field stuff that Miller and Connor brought up. And with the inconsistency, I just feel like this wasn't a great pick. I'm giving it a C plus. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give this uh, a, a D plus, honestly. Um, and Full disclosure, I haven't done a, a huge amount of uh, studying of him, of Zaniga. I need to do more. I was planning on, I was actually planning on doing it when I was doing Ashton Davis, and then I got caught up in watching Ashton Davis and just kept watching more of him. Um, so now I'll, I'll look in more. But the reason why I'm going there is, again, it's a large part because of going defense instead of offense there. And especially those two receivers the, Ra- the Raiders took directly after. Um, but also, it just, to me, I, this is my read on it right away, it just kind of felt like the one pick that he might have forced. He, he might have been like, I need an edge here. Let's take this guy here now. I have seen some stuff that you you can see his athletic abilities, but, but I just, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about him. So maybe this is going to fall on me right now for the grade, but I'm, I'm going to say I would have gone in a couple other directions and it, it just, this felt a little forced to me. So that's why I'm giving it a D plus. Clayton, I have a feeling that you're going to be much higher on this than both of us for two reasons. Number one, you're a Florida guy. And number two, I already talked to you about this, and I know you like the pick. So <laughs> go ahead and explain why you think Chris and I are wrong. Yeah, so I'm actually going to give this one a B as well. Uh, so he's actually the very next ranked player on my board after Ashton Davis. So he's 73. So the value fits again. Uh, the, uh, the, the need fits again. So I do like the pick. And I think with edge rushers, no, the production wasn't, I guess, there. Um, but – you, you need to bet on traits as an uh, edge rusher, which he has. He has that athletic ability. He's an elite athletic edge rusher. Well, no, sorry, not elite edge rusher. Elite athletically. Uh, I just want to correct myself before people t- like run away with that. So <laughs> <laughs> I, he does have those traits, which can translate to the NFL. I think that 
they're going to put him in position to succeed. I, I think I like the versatility that he has. He can play inside on other, on a four man front. He can play inside on pass uh, on passing downs and actually provide something re- like really well there. He did a lot of Florida. Uh, Todd Grantham moved him around. 2019, it, it, yeah, Chris, if you want to go back and watch him, go back to 2018 because 2019 he only played five games. I believe right. two of them were healthy. Uh, the other three games he had to come out early. So right. I'll go back to 2018 where he really flashed. And he was start, He even flashed against, uh, granted, against a bad offensive line in Miami, but he had a really good start to the 2019 season before he got injured. I like the pig. I think the value is is good here. It's not great. I'm still giving it a B because I do think there were other players that they could have gone with. Like, I, If you want to go with a pure pass rusher, I thought Bradley and I was a better option. But I do think that Zuniga is the better all-around player. Like, and now you're going to have to take off on rushing downs. You don't have to do that with Zuniga. He can still he can play all three downs if you want him to. But I do like like I I would have taken Brian Edwards here personally or Lloyd Cushenberry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still like the pick here. I like the value. So Zuniga gets a B from me. Yeah, Clayton, those guys that you just mentioned are a big part of why I was really frustrated with the pick as well. I don't love Zaniga that much, and also I just thought there were better options. Brian Edwards would have been really nice. I certainly expected them to draft at least one additional receiver, which, of course, they ended up not doing. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. 
We'll grade the rest of the Jets draft tomorrow, starting with round number four. But before we do that, I want to talk about our favorite and least favorite picks from around the NFL for the first couple of rounds in this draft over the weekend. I'm going to start it off with round number one. A couple of picks that I really liked, Isaiah Simmons to the Cardinals. This was one that no one anticipated because Cliff Kingsbury seems to be somebody that always loves to go offense, but here he zagged when everybody thought he was going to zig, got himself a real stud defensive playmaker, and I thought he did a great job getting Isaiah Simmons at number eight. Another pick that I really love, Tristan Wirfs. The Bucks moved up one spot to get a guy that could protect Tom Brady's right side for the next couple of years between him, Donovan Smith, Ali Marpet, and Ryan Jensen. That line is really strong to go with the incredible weapons that they already have. So I think that's a terrific move there. Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb, both of those guys were steals where they went. I wouldn't have picked them at 11 for the Jets. Too many holes and a little too high. But for the Broncos at 15 to get somebody like Judy and for CeeDee Lamb to go at number 17 to the Cowboys, especially the fact that they were able to beat out the Eagles for him was huge. I like Kalevon Chase on at number 20. Not a huge Chase on fan, but at 20, I think that's really, really good value. Caesar Ruiz to the Saints at 24 is fantastic. The rich get richer. I think he's going to start day number one and just be absolutely nasty there. Patrick Queen is a pick that I really like for the Ravens. Perfect Ravens pick, as Chris said the other night. At number 28, terrific value. And Jeff Gladney, that's a guy that I know that you love, Clayton. think he's the perfect replacement there in Minnesota for Trey Waynes at 31. Really good value. couple of picks that I really did not like at all. I'm going to start out with pick number 16, the Atlanta Falcons taking A.J. Terrell. I like A.J. Terrell, but I don't like him enough to pick him at 16, especially when they could have traded down with somebody that wanted C.D. Lamb. They could have gotten some value there. Instead, they stay at 16 and reach for a corner. Not a huge fan of that. Also, Henry Ruggs third. Love Ruggs. Don't think I would have taken him over Judy and Lamb, especially not at number 12. I understand what the Raiders are trying to do, but that seemed a little weird. The Raiders also, I thought, reached big time for Damon Arnett, a player that I like, but at number 19, especially with the question marks around him, way too high. Austin Jackson, Clayton had a great line the other night. He said he loved this as a Jets fan for the Dolphins because at number 18, I just don't think the value is there. I think Austin Jackson's ceiling is an okay tackle, and that is definitely not the route I would have gone at number 18 in this draft. And then the last one that I would say I really didn't like was Jordan Brooks, the linebacker from Texas Tech going to the Seahawks. This is a tradition unlike any other. The Seahawks reaching for a weird player at the end of the first round. I would have absolutely gone for Patrick Queen if I was looking for a linebacker here. Instead, they went with Brooks. So those are the picks that I liked and didn't like in round number one. Chris, what about you? All right, so I'll start with the ones I liked. I mean, I I like a bunch of them, but right at the top for me is a two-way tie, and you guys know who who it's going to be between. It's going to be between the Broncos and the Cowboys for taking my my crushes, the the loves in my lives and my binkies for the past two years, Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb. Uh, and, and not just because this isn't just I would have gone with whoever took them. 
I think they couldn't have possibly asked to be in a, a better situation. Maybe you could find an as good situation, but I don't think you could find a better situation for them. Uh, the fit that they bring in the offense, you know, Jerry Judy with Cortland Sutton already, C.D. Lamb with Amari Cooper and with that running game already. Um, I I just absolutely love it. The only knock for, for Judy is whether, you know, anyone really believes in Drew Locke yet. But – I love the way that they are building this offense, and we will talk about this further going into a, another round too. But those are the top of my list. I, I like a lot of what you said, the ones you mentioned. The Cesar Ruiz pick was great. Patrick Queen. I also really uh, – like this is, this is weird, and why I'm going to say this because I'm going to mention a running back in the first round as a pick that I love when I, I am somebody who is saying – don't draft running backs in the first round, but there's always exceptions to the rule. And the exception is if you think you're a running back away from winning a Super Bowl. And on top of this, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is just a, a dream fit for the Chiefs in that offense. Uh, I saw people set talking about him being a Brian Westbrook type player, and I, I absolutely love that. I know Andy Reid was talking about it, and he's saying, no, he's even better. I just think that's a great fit for what they do with that offense. That's He is the perfect type of player to do that for them. And they could have gone in a lot of other directions and been good there. And, again, I don't normally uh, uh, recommend going with that strategy, but I love the fit for them. As far as the players I don't like, you mentioned a lot of them, both the Raiders picks, and I love Henry Ruggs, but picking him ahead of Jerry Duty and CeeDee Lamb. I know I was talking about the ghost of Al Davis making that uh, pick the other night, but it's just a ghost of Al Davis. So they sh they should have gone with uh, Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb over them. Uh, Austin Jackson pick, uh, not not a big fan of, and uh, the Jordan Love pick too. And this is just this is you attack uh, you attack Aaron Rodgers like that, and I have to strike back back. They have the last time they drafted the skill position player in the first round was Aaron Rodgers. I talk about my grades for Joe Douglas and how they're so positive a lot because of the process around it. The, the Packers have had Aaron Rodgers this whole time, and it's like they just try and actively not give him top-level weapons to work with. And then they draft his backup when I haven't watched enough Jordan Love because I knew the Jets weren't taking him to have a real solid opinion on him. Uh, I do see some potential why people might fall in love. But Aaron Rodgers is under contract that's going to be really hard to do anything with for a couple of years. So even by that point, how much is going to be left on Jordan Love's contract to maximize the rookie contract? Uh, I mean, I guess if you believe in him and you think he can be the, a, a great quarterback, then I guess maybe you got to take him. But they were in the NFC Championship game last year. Imagine what they could do, what Aaron Rodgers could have done with a Denzel Mims right there, with a T. Higgins or Michael Pittman there. That would have been a huge help to that offense. And I'd get it if they were a middling team last year. And I know that they they probably sh you know weren't the second-best team in the NFC but they were in the NFC Championship. Give Aaron Rodgers some more firepower. I know he's slipping a little bit, but help him out. Don't make things harder for him. Clayton, what'd you think? Who'd you like, who'd you not like in round number one? So I'm probably going to keep this short because you guys, I think you I think you both hit every team that I liked and every team that I disliked. 
Um, so I'm just going to kind of scan through it. I, I liked uh, – I, it's kind of obvious. I like the top three picks. Those are just easy. Um, I do like Jedrick Wills going to the Browns. They solidified that offense. That was really the last piece that they really needed. They needed a left tackle after signing Jack Conklin on the right side. And I believe Jedrick Wills can play on the left side in Cleveland. So I do really like that pick. Um, I'm actually going to be on the opposite side of you guys with Henry Ruggs. I do like that pick as well. Uh, getting that speed, I kind of mentioned it the other night. They, speed kills. And they've seen it happen with Tyreek Hill. And Henry Ruggs can't uh, – sorry, Henry Ruggs can uh, can provide that, obviously. He's not Tyreek Hill exactly. He doesn't have that frame. But he is a very – he is he's more than just a fast player. Uh, he's fast. He has good hands. He can make plays with the ball in his hands. He can run good routes. I like it. Um, he was my number two ranked receiver um, at the very last second, but Jerry Judy was right on his butt for that position. I, I like that pick as well. Um, and then, yeah, every other one that you guys mentioned, I do actually like. Um, but I really want to harp on the one that I don't like, and that's, that's Damon Arnett. I really don't understand it. I mean, I can see now. I know Mike Mayock was just hoping to God that A.J. Terrell fell to him because you know how he loves his Clemson guys. But you go with a 24-year-old who has baggage at, at 19. Like, I just – I really don't – I really don't understand that, especially as from an organization that, like, that really harps on getting that, like, team captain, I guess, um, for their team. So it really didn't make a lot of sense to me. I think you could have even traded back into the late first and still gotten him. Maybe he into the second round and still gotten him. So – I don't know. I really don't like that pick. And you kind of mentioned it with Jordan Love. I I understand taking a quarterback, but I don't like how they traded up to get him. I just, yeah. I, um, I've, I feel like at that point, just wait. If he falls to at 30, then so be it. Like, you can possibly get your quarterback of the future, take him. But you you need that receiver from Aaron Rodgers. Like You, you need that help. So I don't like trading up for him, but yeah, I, with the uh, first round, I'm going to kind of leave it at that since you guys hit on most of them. The Jordan Love thing was weird to me, but I sort of get it. If you feel like he has a chance to be a real franchise quarterback and you know that Rodgers is on his last legs, if you want to make that move, sort of the way that they ended up drafting Aaron Rodgers all those years ago, I don't hate it. But at the same time, you look at it from the other side of the coin. They were one game away from the Super Bowl, could have gotten a player that came in here and helped Aaron Rodgers right now. So you could look at it that way and say that they failed in that respect. I could go either way. I could be talked into it and talked out of it. That's why I didn't put it on either side of the ledger, but I totally understand why you guys didn't like it. Round two, here are some picks that I like. Love T. Higgins at the top of the round. Think he could have been a first-round pick. Perfect for the Bengals there. Joe Burrow is going to love that. Xavier McKinney, I hate saying this, but boy, what a great pick by the Giants. He easily should have gone in the first round, slipping to number 36. This is perfect. He's going to be a 10-year starter for the Giants. Yutor Gross Matos, the edge rusher from Penn State, going to the Panthers at 38. I think he has a chance to be a double-digit sack guy. I'm not saying that he's going to be top of the league good but to get somebody like that at 38 I think is really good value Robert Hunt I'm torn on this I really like him 
but I'm not so sure that I would have picked him at 39, but I'm going to put this in the light category just because I think that he's going to be a long-term starter. I love Grant Delpit at number 44. I know that he's had his share of injuries and he had a down year, but I think he has a chance to be a really, really good player in the pros. Love Jalen Johnson at number 50 to the Bears. I think he's a number one level corner. Should have gone in the first round. Really would have loved it if the Jets would have gotten him. Trayvon Diggs, same thing. Great pick by the Cowboys. He'll replace Byron Jones. I think he has a chance to be a Pro Bowl level corner. And to get him at 51, that is tremendous value. AJ Epinesa, I didn't love him at all when people were talking about him in the first round, but at number 54 to the Bills, that is terrific value. I really, really like what Brandon Bean is doing there. And then the rest of the way, we already talked about the Jets, but I like Josh Uche at 60 to the Patriots. Feels like a Patriots type of player. I think he's going to be really good and a nice fit. Christian Fulton also at 61. Absolutely a steal I think he's going to walk right in there and start And he's the guy that I would have taken if I was the Jets If Denzel Mims didn't make it to 59 Some picks that I really didn't like though And we'll start with Cole Komet The tight end from Notre Dame Mentioned this on the show the other night At 43, this seems way too high I know that you could argue he was the best tight end in the class, but this is a really bad tight end class. So this seems to me to be way too much of a reach. Jalen Hurts at 53. Look, I get it. I understand that they're a little worried about the health of Carson Wentz, and they think they can develop Hurts and maybe take him and flip him at some point. And in the meantime, he'll be a valuable backup. But I don't really love Hurts that much as a quarterback prospect. And on top of that, the Eagles, as we said with the Packers before, are a team that really should be in the mix for the Super Bowl. They made enough improvements to really put themselves in that conversation. They've got a young franchise quarterback. We're not talking about an older guy like Aaron Rodgers. Wentz is in his mid-20s here. And so to take a guy like this at 53, on top of the fact that apparently the big holdup in not trading up for CeeDee Lamb was they didn't want to part with this second round pick. So to not get CeeDee Lamb because you insisted on keeping this pick and then using it on a backup quarterback just seems to be really, really odd to me. And then A.J. Dillon is the last one on my list. I know that the Packers wanted to add some offensive weapons, but at 62, Dillon just doesn't stand out to me. There were better options on the board. I didn't love that one, and especially after Jordan Love, I thought that they could have gotten a higher impact player on the offense for Aaron Rodgers for 2020. So, Chris, what'd you think? Anybody that we had in common there? Yeah, well, I'm going to start with the ones I didn't like because pretty much I'm going to like every other pick. Um, <laughs> this, this round is just loaded. I, I could sit here and name all the ones I like, and I'm going to name like 29 different players. So I'm just going to say with the, with, I'm with you on the Jalen Hurts. I'm willing to, again, I'm willing to cut Philadelphia a little bit more benefit of the doubt the most here. I feel like they have to have some type of plan to use him more uh, as a playmaker um, maybe I'm giving them too much credit, but I, I feel like they're not just drafting him to be a backup, but to be a weapon and a backup. Um, and if that's the case, I can, I could see it maybe. And I'm not the biggest fan of, you know, doing this, but I could see it. So I'm willing to give them a little bit there, but my big one that I don't like is again, I'm defending my, my guy, Aaron Rodgers. AJ Dillon's the one I don't I really don't like. Uh, if you were going to go running back, there's other running backs I would have gone, and uh, I would have definitely gone and gotten him a receiver. Uh, there's still plenty of good uh, good ones left here. I know like 13 have gone by this point, 
but I I would have gone and gotten him a, a receiver there. Uh, I just I just do not like that at the running back. I think he could have gone better there. Ones that particularly stand out to me, I mean, you named a lot of them. I'll throw uh, A.J. Epineza. I know uh, there was talk early in the draft process from Jet fans about him, but he's not really a, an edge pass rusher. I just think he's a perfect fit in Buffalo in that defensive line. But the one that kind of stands out for me, again, I'm, I'm going with the running back here and J.K. Dobbins going to the Baltimore Ravens. J.K. Dobbins with, with Lamar, Lamar Jackson, that that's going to be kind of scary. So I love that that pick and uh yeah i love a lot of the other ones you mentioned i i love the chase claypool pick the jalen johnson pick the trayvon diggs pick but uh yeah th- those are my guys it's just really the aj Dillon one that stands out to me as bad clayton this was an abnormally strong second round so i'd imagine there are a lot that you like here yeah i mean i'm kind of i'm gonna keep it short and simple i'm gonna go to i'm gonna go stick with four uh first one uh number 34 michael Pittman. Uh, he was my number five receiver, really liked his game. He kind of grew on me more and more and more as the whole process was going. Because I, <laughs> I kept on having to go back to watch the USC-Utah game because Utah had so many draftable defenders. And every single time, Michael Pittman just kept on showing up, showing up, showing up, showing up. And I just had to keep on watching more of him, whether it's that game or others. So I, I think him going to Indianapolis is a great spot. He could be on the uh, opposite side of T.Y. Hilton, uh, Philip Rivers, he's on his last legs, literally his last legs. So give him all the targets he can get. Maybe, who knows, maybe they can make a surprise Super Bowl run. I don't think they're that good, but you never know in the NFL. Uh, next, I'm going with Detroit. They take DeAndre Swift. It was not like, I guess it wasn't a necessary pick, but it was a very good value pick. Uh, I think he was the best running back in the class. You can team him up with uh, on Johnson in the backfield. He doesn't have to take all the carries right away. Uh, so you don't have to worry about his injuries. You kind of just mix and match with whatever mat- whatever matchup you want. If you want the DeAndre Swift like in the passing game or the run game, you can do it. If you want Carry On Johnson in the passing game, run game, you can do it. I, I just I don't know. I really like the pick, even though it wasn't exactly necessary. Uh, another one that I loved, actually, another, the uh, next two that I really love were both safeties. Uh, Antoine Winfield going to Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay killed this draft for the first two rounds, getting Tristan Wirfs and Winfield. I believe Winfield is going to be dynamite in Todd Bowles' system. He's going to yeah. – no one knows safety better than him. He's going to know how to utilize him. He's going to play in the slide. He's going to play single high. I'm sure he's going to play in the box every so often, even though he's a little bit on the smaller side. It, I, I don't know. He's going to move him around like a chess piece, and I, I can't wait to see what happens there. And then my last one is actually Jeremy Chin. Um, really liked him. We, I'm sure we all saw the quote that the Panthers passed on Isaiah Simmons – because uh, he needed to be in like in a, on a veteran team and so they can utilize him the best or whatever it was, something ridiculous like that. The guy that's closest to him in this draft is Jeremy Chen. Granted, they're not close, but he's the closest there is to him. They're going to move him around. He's a safety. He can play in the box. He can play linebacker. He's big, fast, athletic. I really, I'm really curious to see what they do with him exactly. Uh, they needed to build their defense, and I think this is a great chess piece to have in the back end of that defense. And as far as the guys that I don't like, I'm just going to stick stick to the one that we all mentioned, AJ Dillon. <laughs> I, I really do not understand this pick. Green Bay. Actually, I'm just going to say this right now. I don't like any of Green Bay's picks. So from every round from here on out, <laughs> just 
I'm just going to not even mention Green Bay because all of their picks were terrible in my mind. Now, why watch. are you taking? No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I just I don't understand why they're taking AJ Dillon when you have other needs on the team. You have Aaron Jones, who just went off for what twenty touchdowns this past year, both receiving and uh, on the ground. You had Jamal Williams, who you like as a backup. Why are you going running back in the second round? And me personally, I had AJ Dillon with a fifth round grade, so that makes this pick even worse. So I'm just gonna stick with that one. There's a couple others that were okay. Um, but for the most part, the second round was kind of nailed outside of A.J. Dillon. Watch A.J. Dillon become a Hall of Fame running back now because we yeah, all just no, bagged on mm-hmm. I will say this, though. I would have been much more comfortable if it had been J.J. Dillon, the longtime manager of the Four Horsemen. That's a wrestling reference that I know that neither one of you guys get. For people that listen to the show that appreciate pro wrestling, they'll know what I'm talking about. Third round, a couple of picks that I really like. Julian Aquara, the edge rusher from Notre Dame. There was some talk he might go in the second round. Wasn't crazy about that, but here at number 67 to the Lions, I like that a lot. I think he's going to do well for Matt Patricia. Damian Lewis, the guard from LSU, going to the Seahawks. Perfect fit for a line that really needed some help. One of the steals of the draft at number 72, the Cardinals getting Josh Jones. They did not take a tackle at number eight. They went for Simmons. But here at 72, they get a guy that I think could be a really good long-term starter. Already an excellent pass protector. He needs some work in the run game. But at 72, that's an absolute steal. Zach Bond to the New Orleans Saints. They always find a way to get guys like this. I know that he slipped because he's going to have to change positions in the NFL. But still, great value there for a really, really good player. Like Brian Edwards a lot at number 81 to the Raiders Makes up a little bit for the bad picks early on But not really Neville Gallimore who I like a lot I thought he could have been a second round pick Going to the Cowboys at number 82 Lloyd Cushenberry at 83 That's a guy that very easily could have been in play for the Jets Once they traded down to 59 So for him to fall all the way to 83 That's terrific value too Cam Dantzler going to the Vikings at 89 Listen, I don't think Dantzler is going to be an elite corner, but at this point in the draft, I think that's an excellent pick, and he could go right in there and start. It could actually be Dantzler and Gladney starting together as rookies. That would be really, really interesting, depending on how it shakes out there in Minnesota. I like Devin DuVernay a lot to the Ravens. Very fast. I liked him as a potential target for the Jets. Didn't quite make it there. And then the last name that I'm going to say that I really like was Lucas Nyang going to the Chiefs at 96. It's a perfect fit for them because they get a guy that gives them depth and a potential long-term starter. He had his injury issues, but a really talented kid. So those are some picks that I did really, really like in that round. As far as picks that I didn't like, I'm not going to get too into the weeds on this, but I will give you one name that really kind of mystified me. I don't really understand why the Patriots went tight end so many times. I shouldn't second-guess Bill Belichick, but that's kind of the whole point of what we're doing right now anyway. Devin Asi-Asi at number 91. I think there were better players on the board that could have helped right away and could have been real nice weapons for whoever ends up being the quarterback. Like I said, the pick after was Devin DuVernay, who I think could have been really, really good for Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, and that offense. Also, Lucas Niang. You can never have enough good offensive linemen as the Chiefs showed when they picked him. So he's a possibility there. I just thought that that was a very lackluster pick. That's the only one that really stuck out to me. Oh, I should also mention, I really like Terrell Burgess at 104 to the Rams. I thought that's terrific value. And he's going to be a really good player at the NFL level. Chris, who'd you like, who'd you not like in round three? 
Yeah, so I liked a lot of the same players you did. Uh, Josh Jones, obviously, Zach Bond, uh, Alf, uh, Matt Hennessy to the Falcons there. Um, you know, Edwards to the Raiders, Cushenberry. I like those guys. I also really like the uh, Antonio Gibson, the wide receiver running back to Washington. And I like the Devin Duvernay pick uh, a lot to the Ravens. I think that's a, that's a good fit there. Um, and really, you know, there wasn't too much that I didn't like. A part of that is there's some guys I'm not super overly familiar with here, but I didn't like the Brandon Jones pick at all. Uh, I, I thought they could have gone in a couple of different directions there and pro- probably would have done, well, definitely would have done so myself. Clayton, any of the names that Chris and I said on your list as well? Yeah, there were quite a few that you that you mentioned that I did like, uh, such as, uh, yeah, Josh Jones. I, I really like the Josh Jones pick. Zach Bond. Uh, I did like Ryan Edwards, Lloyd Cushenberry. But the couple, there's a couple that I, that you guys didn't mention that I really did like as well. Malik Harrison to Baltimore 98. I thought he yeah. compliments Patrick Queen very well. And they needed two linebackers, and they mm-hmm. got their two linebackers. So I think Baltimore killed it with re, like regrouping because they lost on Wasser to us. They lost C.J. Mosley <laughs> the year before to us. So I think they just killed it with uh, getting Malik Harrison at 98. Um, I also really like Terrell Burgess. I know you just mentioned him late. He was one of my guys in this draft. I absolutely loved him. He kind of he reminds me of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson in a way. Uh, he could play safety. He could play nickel. I think in Los Angeles, he does play the nickel position – but he does have the versatility to play uh, deep safety if need be. And the last one that I really like is Adam Troutman. Uh, he was my tight end one. Uh, New Orleans, they traded <laughs> the rest of their uh, draft capital to move up in the third round just to get him. So I think New Orleans, they might have given up a lot to get him, but he was my tight end one. Jared Cook isn't going to be around probably after this year, and then he could just fill in in that, in that offense because we do know that New Orleans does like to utilize that tight end. And I think he's going to be great. And I actually did see that the Saints had him as a top 40 player on their board. So to get him at 105 is absolutely great value in their, obviously in their minds. That's going to wrap up part one of our draft weekend grades for the New York Jets picks and a look at our favorite and least favorite picks from around the NFL. We will resume with part two tomorrow. We'll pick it up with round number four. In the meantime, make sure that you're following Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. Follow Clayton on Twitter at NFL Draft. Check out his work at Coast to Coast Scouting. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. It's an easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't take you much time, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcast, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.